National Taiwan University Hospital on Tuesday announced plans to establish an international training center for robotic surgery. Robot-assisted surgery allows doctors to perform complex operations less invasively. Already, NTU Hospital has performed more than 5,000 robot-assisted operations since 2012. Nine years ago, at just 26 years old, Ms. Shi decided to donate some of her liver to her father. Now, the two are as healthy as can be. I'm really thankful to my daughter for donating her liver. Had there been no donations, I wouldn't still be here. Back then, my mom was afraid that I would undergo such a major operation because I wasn't married. The doctor suggested using minimally invasive surgery. Recovery was faster than I had expected. Before the operation, Ms. Shi's mother had worried that her daughter would be left with a big scar. In the end, doctors operated using minimally invasive surgery. The robot-assisted procedure allowed for a smaller incision and a shorter recovery period. The technology is now used to perform cardiac surgery, lowering risk factors for older patients. My mitral valve didn't seal fully. Recovery from the operation was very fast. I went from the ICU straight to a regular ward, and I was able to walk. I don't have any sequelae from the operation. It was better than I had imagined. The technology makes big operations less intrusive, making recovery faster and reducing the chance of infections. Since 2012, NTU Hospital has performed more than 5,000 operations with a robotic arm. NTU Hospital will establish an international training center for robotic surgery so that more people can learn from our experience. This will benefit more patients who will be able to receive state-of-the-art medical services. NTU Hospital announced it will establish a training center to bring Taiwan's medical expertise to the next level. With the electric vehicle market growing worldwide amid efforts to reduce global carbon emissions, one new player is set to enter the market. Honghai, best known as a key manufacturer of iPhone components, has developed its own EVs, one of which is set to enter mass production. The company says it hopes its EV Maker Alliance will encourage the standardization and modularization of EV components, allowing for the growth of the industry. Let's hear what the company has to say. I'd like to give a warm round of applause to welcome a very special guest. Amid applause, Honghai founder Terry Go drives onto the stage in the company's new electric vehicle. Go exits the car and shakes hands with company chair Young Liu. Tuesday marked the 1,000th day since Liu took the reins of the tech giant, which coincided with the annual Honghai Tech Day held on Go's birthday. Go, who is turning 72, says the event is the best way to celebrate. I want to drive it home. It's Honghai Tech Day and it's my birthday. I'm so happy to be able to celebrate my birthday like this every year. Today I get to receive such a precious gift, and it's something very significant and symbolic for Taiwan as well. Yulong Motor Chair Lillian Chen also goes for a test drive in the new vehicle. Speaking to press during the event, Liu said he had a great vision for the future of the EV market. We hope that through our platform we can encourage makers of EV parts and components to standardize and modularize their products, which could allow for the expansion of the market. This would also make our platform more competitive. We aim to reach an annual market output of 3 trillion NT by 2025. 
Honghai hopes that its Mobility and Harmony Alliance for EV development can reach 5% market share by 2025, taking advantage of vertical integration to get a hold on the EV market. Rain has been plentiful in the north over the past few days, topping up many reservoirs. But that's not the case down south, where there's been little gains at reservoirs such as Zenwen Reservoir, which remains at below 50% capacity. Still, water levels island-wide are high overall, and Tainan is the only place with an alert. It's a green alert, meaning residents should conserve water. Let's hear from the Southern Region Water Resources Office. Although Typhoon Nisat's periphery passed by Taiwan, it didn't bring a lot of water to the catchment area of the Zhengwen Reservoir, only a little bit. After assessing the situation at Zhenghua Reservoir and Wushanto Reservoir, we think that there should be a stable supply of water for residential and industrial purposes until at least year's end. The office says the Water Conservation Measures It, launched with agricultural agencies in mid-August, have saved 4,500 cubic meters of water already. It adds that more than 300 cubic meters of access flow from the Gaoping River have been supplied to Tainan since early September to keep water levels high at Nanhua Reservoir. At an event at Stanford University, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken mentioned Taiwan. Blinken said that if Taiwan's semiconductor production were disrupted due to a crisis, it would set off an economic crisis around the world. The comments come days after the U.S. introduced sweeping rules limiting Beijing from obtaining or manufacturing chip key chip components. Observers have said the measures could impact global chip supplies. Economics Minister Wang Meihua says the effect on Taiwan will be limited. Let's hear from her now. The U.S. regulations target chips, equipment and talent. On the front of chips, they affect high-performance computing chips. Currently, these chips are designed by U.S. companies and manufactured in Taiwan. The restrictions only affect these kinds of high-performance computing chips. So the number of chips affected is not large. The rules don't affect most consumer products. Taiwan manufactures these chips, the quantities aren't high, and Taiwan is just commissioned to manufacture them. The U.S. has laid out some rules for these high-performance chips depending on their functions. The chips that meet a certain function threshold can't be sold in the U.S., but any chips that fall below that threshold are not subject to these regulations. If Taiwanese production were disrupted as a result of a crisis, uh, you would have an economic crisis around the world. So there's a profound stake not just for us, but for countries around the world, in preserving peace and stability when it comes to Taiwan and the Straits, and to making sure that the differences that exist are resolved peacefully. So that's why we've been, uh, we've been so engaged on this. Blinken stressed the importance of Taiwan semiconductors and of the Taiwan Strait as a trading route. He said that Beijing's changing approach toward Taiwan had profoundly disrupted the status quo in the Taiwan Strait and voiced hope that China would stop trying to change things through coercion and even military conflict. He reiterated that the U.S. was determined to make good on its commitments to Taiwan under the Taiwan Relations Act and support Taiwan's ability to defend itself. Premier Su Zhenchang tested positive for COVID in a rapid test on Tuesday. The Premier says he's experiencing only mild symptoms, adding that he would continue working from home.
Meanwhile, the CECC says it may open up fourth shots for people vaccinated with Medigen who plan to travel to Japan where the brand is not recognized. During an interpolation session at the legislature, Premier Su Chang bends over and coughs. Not feeling well, he later took a rapid test for COVID. Back at his office, he expressed feeling a little bit under the weather, so he took a rapid test. The result was positive. He said he had the chills, but no symptoms other than that. It's a really mild infection, nothing troubling. Following the test results, Su informed his colleagues he would work from home over the short term. Being over 75, Su is eligible for antiviral oral medication if a doctor assesses such a need. The Premier has had four shots of COVID vaccines, two from AstraZeneca and two from Medigen. Su has previously expressed support for domestically produced vaccines, but some question whether the Medigen vaccine offers protection against COVID. Given that there are mutations of the virus, our main focus now is on whether the vaccine can reduce the likelihood of severe illness or death. His symptoms being mild, Sue will continue working from home, connecting with colleagues via video conference. Currently, travelers to Japan vaccinated with Medigen must arrange for a 1,000 NT PCR test at their own expense. The CECC is mulling a solution. What we are looking into now for countries like Japan that don't recognize certain vaccines is whether we can offer a fourth shot of a recognized vaccine. The issue is still going through deliberation. The CECC says people who received Medigen may soon be able to take additional vaccine shots to make international travel easier. Repairs have had to be postponed at Provincial Highway 6 in Ilan due to bad weather. The road was destroyed at many spots over the weekend due to landslides caused by the heavy rains. Currently, 302 people remain stranded at Mingshu Resort. On Tuesday morning, 26 firefighters had set off to take supplies up the mountain on foot for the trapped people. The mission was called off halfway due to the dangerous circumstances and in the end, only five firefighters were sent in with medical supplies. The Directorate General of Highways says the passage along the road won't be fully restored until August 31st. More than 100 vehicles in a car park in Shiling District were damaged on Sunday after heavy rains caused flooding in the area. Car owners have blamed the city government for the damage, saying that they were not warned to remove their cars. Taipei Mayor Ko Wenzhe says the fault actually lies with the drivers. He says the government had followed its guidelines, sending warnings to drivers who scan a QR code at the entrance of the car park for these situations. On Tuesday, the mayoral candidates from the KMT and DPP responded to the issue, saying there is room for improvement in the city government's handling of the matter. A cacophony of car alarms and flashing lights. On Sunday, the heavy rains in northern Taiwan flooded a car park next to the river near Bailing Bridge in Taipei Shilling District. More than 100 cars were affected in the surge. Their owners say the city government is at fault for not warning them to move their cars to a different location. We send text messages to people, so why didn't they move their cars? If people tell us they didn't receive the text message, we can look at why they didn't. Perhaps we sent them a message and they didn't see it. Sometimes I only check my messages once a day. The entrance to the Riverside car park assigned directs users to scan a QR code to be notified in case they need to move their vehicles. Many drivers say that they were not aware of this system. In addition, some may not have heard the announcements on the 
the PA system, and thus they didn't move their cars in time. Taipei Mayor Ke Wenzhe says drivers are responsible for the damage, adding that asking for compensation from the city government is unreasonable. KMT Taipei mayoral candidate Jiang Wan'an has a different opinion. As local leaders, our top priority should be to have our citizens' best interests at heart, and not pushing all responsibility onto our citizens. It is the responsibility of the next administration to improve this warning system. You have to have some sympathy. Secondly, on the front of communication, did the government make the procedures clear? Were the actions taken in line with the original guidelines? I think it's something worth reviewing. DPP mayoral candidate Chen Shizhong says the Taipei government should review its disaster prevention guidelines to address any shortcomings. Taipei Symphony Orchestra is launching a production of Otello, an opera by Italian composer Giuseppe Verdi. The Taiwanese production will be held at the Taipei Performing Arts Center's Grand Theater, which will be transformed into a refugee camp. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to the cast and crew to find out more about the performance. take to the stage wearing elegant costumes. This is a duet between Otello and Desdemona. Otello is an opera by Italian composer Giuseppe Verdi, based on William Shakespeare's play Othello, which was set in the Mediterranean island of Cyprus at the end of the 15th century. The Taipei Symphony Orchestra has launched its own version of the production titled Verdi Othello. The new adaption in Taiwan will be set in a refugee camp. I hope that this production in Taiwan can showcase many different facets of the characters' personalities. There are many wars in the world right now, so we set up the stage in a refugee camp. Although this refugee camp is a public space, it is also a private space. That is to say, whether it is Iago's or Otello's jealousy or tactics, they are not private. Instead, they are witnessed by the public. It is a phenomenon that will inevitably occur among people. I think the setting will render a very different interpretation of Otello's dialogue. Otello follows the story of a couple, Otello, the governor of Cyprus and Venetian general, and his wife Desdemona. Iago, the attendant of Desdemona, devises a plan to destroy Othello. The production will feature a Taiwanese team, including renowned Taiwanese director Wang Jiaming and soprano Han Yingzuo, and a lineup of international vocalists such as Brian Register and Zong Il-hoon, as well as conductor Marco Bomi. Having uh, many rehearsals, uh, both with singers oh, sorry, and with orchestra, uh, this means that we can really develop uh, musical ideas and staging ideas uh, as well, of course, so that for the singers it's uh, easy to understand really their characters. Because, you know, those are complex characters. Uh, for me, it's my first time doing Otello. So um, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a baby Otello, trying to discover uh, his mind and his ways as I go myself. Uh, but I think that it's going to be um, a luxury 
to have so much time, as Maestro Bayami said, to explore the characters, to explore the emotions, to explore the relationships between the characters so that it becomes something real on stage, something more than what people think of as traditional opera. Does Demona's music and personality contrast each other? Her appearance and heart differ. She is not a weak girl. She lived in such a patriarchal society, but secretly married someone else in private. She may seem pure, but her heart is rebellious. The work will be on show at the Taipei Performing Arts Center's Grand Theatre from October 21st till October 23rd. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Chen Shenhan in Taipei. A film festival spotlighting the stories of people with disabilities has opened in Taipei and online. This year, the Taipei Limitless Film Festival showcases films from nine countries, which will be available online until October 23rd. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang takes us in to see some of the highlights. What brings you to over? I want to do something for Vincent. The theme of the 2022 Taipei Limitless Film Festival is Bright Stars, featuring a total of 10 films. One of them is Touch of the Light, which follows the friendship between a blind piano prodigy and aspiring dancer who works at a bubble tea store. The festival held a special audio-described screening of the film. The male lead, Huang Yuxiang, is blind and also a famous pianist. He plays the piano to break people's stereotypes that blind people can only be masseurs. They can actually perform other jobs too. We have held the festival for four consecutive years. The reason we hold this festival is to foster cultural equality. Anyone, regardless of whether they have any physical or mental disabilities, can enjoy all things in life. Everyone should be able to enjoy accessible spaces. Blind people can go to the theater to enjoy a movie or go visit an exhibition. They should have this right, and there should be no obstacles to that. In the future, I hope that more films will be audio-described. You walked through another door today. What that brings tomorrow, we'll find out. But he's walked through that door. The Limitless Film Festival is an annual film festival organized by the Taipei City Foreign and Disabled Labor Office. The films in the festival tell the stories of people with physical and mental disabilities, including limited vision, autism, or Down syndrome. This year, the festival showcases documentaries and other films from Taiwan and eight other countries. There are many deaf people in these films and people with many different disabilities. We feature different countries every year, from Asia, the Americas and Europe. The films help people understand the difficulties encountered by people with disabilities in different countries and how they overcome their challenges. It's just amazing to see David taking a set and building something totally different. And in this case, of course, building a prosthetic that would actually help himself. Organizers hope that through the film festival, viewers can learn more about the lives of people with disabilities. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Lu Bo Chong in Taipei.